Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, the villain has an all-encompassing plan, whose goal is perhaps to fan the fires of destruction started back where it all began. That's right, we're talking the Batman! Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. I'm Batman. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. <laughs> I was ready for, oh, I'm the darkness. I know, we're, I am the shadow. I have, I have a set intro that I have to stick to because in one of the episodes, way back when, I said I always do it and now I have to always do it. Well, You've committed. No, but, but really, but <laughs> this see, was a mistake. Stephen could say, I'm vengeance, I'm Batman, and then you could be, I'm the shadows or I'm the darkness. I or am whatever, the whatever other moniker that, that he chooses. I mean, we missed that or you chance. can just say, that, it's hello. Sailed. All right, it just stopped, pick stopped, it up stopped. and go. Let it it's go. Fine. That ship has sailed. Done. It's gone. It's over. It's passed. So many missed opportunities. And you know what? If we go back to them, they wouldn't be missed anymore. So now, anyways, moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? Technically true. <laughs> the best kind. <laughs> anyways, back to the plot. So as earlier alluded to, we are going to be talking about The Batman, which just came out very recently, and I think we all enjoyed it to mm -hmm. some degree. Yeah, 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 that's an understatement. Yeah. But before we dive into those degrees of enjoyment, we're going to talk about something else that's also a little, Batman. A little related. Everything is Batman's theme tonight, okay? The theme is Batman. We are the Batman. Yep. Anyways. Batman villains, mm -hmm. which favorite there are a Batman villains. There, are, I I feel like the choices aren't quite as wide as if we had done, say, Spider Man. Uh, well, there are a lot going, of Spider Man centric villains. If, if we're I going mean, off of, we're not going off of comic books because I'm sure that you know, yeah, out of yeah, the yeah, you know yeah. the hundreds of years of, of hundreds Batman. of years. Let's hold on. Slow down there. <laughs> hundreds of hundreds of man years. Well, yeah, I mean, well, no, just, just the amount of, of content it's like, it's like that man exists hours, for, but there's so many of them, they're man years. Uh, so we're, we're going just <sighs> off of uh, animated series and movies. I mean, we don't have to, though. And sure. Because, like, okay, if you, if you, be honest, if you we go don't have to, to, but we did. If you, but if you go to comics, the two, the two characters have been running for, you know, you know, at least similar amounts of time. So the catalog of the rogues gallery for each yeah, okay. is going to, is going to be mm -hmm. a comparable size. Reasonable. But I feel like what I have seen on screen for Spider-Man has been wider than what I've seen for Batman. I, I get, I mean, it does feel that every Batman movie kind of just treads over the exact well, every, same. Everybody characters. wants to do okay. the joke. <laughs> I, I would, I would say Batman probably has like a, a smaller number of really standout villains. Like core, How's that? Yeah. core, yeah. Yeah, a core yeah. supporting villain cast. You will. You're probably going to get people mad at you about that statement, but yeah. And you know what? That's good. That's good for an engagement. Anyways, <laughs> moving forward. So, favorite Batman villains, and I'm going to let Andrew go first. Okay. So I picked um, Doctor Mr. Freeze, Dr. not Doc, Freeze. not Doctor Freeze, because uh, you started saying uh, Spider Man. I thought of like Doc Doctor Ock Strange and, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Mr. Freeze is kind of my um uh, he is um uh basically he's just a really tragic villain because he tr he he really only turned bad because he wanted to save his wife mm -hmm. um 
and he has you know, at least from the animated series, and it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, but he, you know, he's he has his little like freeze gun and whatnot. That um, uh, and I think and is it all of the versions where he can't actually like he has to have his own atmosphere inside yeah, yes, of his little tank. Yes, that yeah. is his. Well, he his he just he has to be cold. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just remember every time like watching his specific episodes, especially in the Batman the Animated Series, which was from 90, 92 to ninety five. Yeah, and then and then the follow up film that was done by the same company with uh, that was titled Sub Zero. Yep. Um, yes. Where it was really cool because he starts out in uh, the Arctic and like he's swimming with the polar bears yeah. and stuff, and he's just in like it's like he's in. Hawaii or something, you know, he's just in his swim <laughs> oh, yeah. trunks and, and got a fishing spear and going out mm-hmm. hunting, you know? Yeah. But he, he's always just been a really interesting villain to me. Uh, especially like, you know, then you go to like, uh, I guess Batman and Robin, uh, the, the 1998 film mm-hmm. with George Clooney and, um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he's just ice puns for days <laughs> where every, every single line I'm pretty sure is an ice pun yeah, for him. For ages. <laughs> It's ice ages, but um, but then yeah, um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> then you have him in Young Justice. He's kind of like a one of like the 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 sub main villains. Mm-hmm. I think he shows up a couple times in the series for Young Justice. Yeah, and uh, and he he's still equally as as imposing, I guess. But he but he you never really feel like he's like. A, a truly like evil guy. Well, he's not from the set of Batman villains that are deranged, right? Correct. Like he, like, he, he is a big set there. Yeah. Uh, he is, he was more a scientist clinically focused on goals mm-hmm. and not as chaotic wanton destruction. Yeah. 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 And that, that's like every time, like he, he always has like a, a plot, a sinister plot. It is not something like specifically like I want to watch the world burn like mm-hmm. the Joker. And uh, it's, there's always like some concise manner. Maybe th- I think that's why I kind of like him. Yeah. 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 Uh, honorable mention is Clayface. For just a total flip of the coin there. Yeah. <laughs> different, go in a different direction. <laughs> okay. So Joel? No, no. No? no, no. Okay. Oh, we, he we, goes last. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the difference between the, the clinical versus the I just want to watch the world burn. We're going to keep it on the more clinical yep. side. But also clinically wants to watch the world burn. <laughs> uh, so I'm going, and I took Ra's al Ghul. Okay, so he's the leader of the League of Shadows. Correct. Yeah, uh, I I like his. So I tend to gravitate towards the type of villain who's more of the mastermind, like a megalomaniac. Uh, sort of, but ultimately it's just that they are orchestrating everything. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like, hey, I want to just run into Batman on the streets and beat the crap out of him. <laughs> it's I have a whole different goal and purpose that's going on with a large plan. And then, well, now Batman has meddled mm-hmm. and we need to deal with that. So, and, you, so you're Lex Luthor. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that style of villain is more, mostly just because it's, they're more real, right? The mm-hmm. dude who has to live in an ice capsule or he dies, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. Right. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, Clayface doesn't killer croc, uh, uh, Two Face. Two. I, I actually do like Two Face because you get both the coin. You get both sides, right? <laughs> he can be really, really clinical, and then he also is just like maniac, chaotic. He, well, we flip the coin, and yeah. and what are we gonna get today? Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna tie Batman to a giant coin and flip it. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, back to the the plot. Raz Al Ghul. Uh, so yeah, I like the. It's very much so a controlled villain. He's always seeking to be in control, finding ways to create control, 
execute his plan. Batman is just part of it. And sometimes Batman is incorporated into it, right? There's kind of almost not an, an alliance, but some uneasy respect between the two. Mm-hmm. If you go with the movie version, right, you know, he trained him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go with the animated series version, you have other connections there with like the daughter. Yeah. And, which I guess that was also in. No, that was Bane. I don't, I can't remember. The, da- Nolan, the daughter so. was there too. Yeah. The Nolan. Yeah. yeah she was there. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought I wasn't going crazy. Yeah, yeah, because uh, in Dark Knight Rises, it's revealed that she's Ra's al Ghul's daughter, but then like she dies like the next scene anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool, thanks, guys. <laughs> I don't care. It, it Moving was the on. Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing. He's like, oh, there it is. Oh, there, <laughs> oh, my Easter. Oh, ooh, she did. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I don't know. I, I liked those interplays where they kind of have the the quiet conversation that has the menace in it. Mm-hmm. Where they're just, it's just the two of them talking to each other, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes kind of thing. So he's definitely that type of villain. Yeah. So, yeah, I can, I can see that. that. All right. So we've, we've discussed clinical. We've discussed cool, tragic. calm, collected. Tragic villain. Now on to Joel. You're right. So the villain that I'm going to put forward is none other than Mark Hamill himself. <laughs> <laughs> the true villain. The of true the villain. villain. No, it's, it's uh, obviously the Joker. I'm going to go with the, the classic arch nemesis for mm-hmm. Batman in the Joker. And for me, uh, you know, wearing my, my rose colored glasses, no one is ever going to do it as well as Mark Hamill in the animated series. It was just such a. Oh, he did. A, he did more than just the animation. No, absolutely. He like he he did every vo- all the voice work for that role for a large number of years mm-hmm. and other roles within DC animation. Mm-hmm. And so, but you know, it's not just that he's the arch nemesis. He's, he's the the most popular by number of times Batman runs into him, sort of <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, but it's also the fact that. Joker in the entire rogues gallery that Batman has Joker is the one who depending on the depiction of Batman you're going with has the deepest connection to Batman himself because Joker is the one that sees that Bruce Wayne is the false identity and Batman is the real man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that is um, something that might show up after the spoiler wall if you're interested in saying that that this this topic is kind of a through line but the fact that you have that sort of more personal connection between the villain and the hero makes the hero more interesting right well and it makes their interactions way more interesting yeah when it when instead of just being evil guy and good guy fight and you know good guy more than likely wins Mm -hmm. it's it's now two personal connections that that you know, clearly they're good and evil, mm-hmm. but they are, uh, they're much more interconnected to where there's a lot more at stake than just whatever the current plot is. Right. Because basically when, when you, when you boil it down, the best interactions between Batman and Joker are always about Joker trying to prove a point to Batman. Mm-hmm. And the stakes in that case are, what is this going to do to Batman's mm-hmm. viewpoint? Yeah. When when it gets done, how much damage is this going to do to his psyche? Because, again, depending on how he is depicted, Batman is not okay (laughs) 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 to start with. Like, honestly, I think uh, like probably one of the only um, uh, I'd probably say the the Batman, the animated series probably had has the most grounded Batman uh, as far as like like his psyche. 
is involved. Yes, like Bruce, He's very removed. Bruce Bruce yeah. Wayne is a real person that has a real life, and he's also Batman. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like that. That is the scenario there. That is not the scenario that we see in. But it's basically more and more removed from that scenario as we iterate on Batman across the years. Since yeah, the end yeah. Of as the we series. as we get further and further. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also I, you shouting out Mark Hamill and the fact that he's done so much voice work within that animated universe. Mm-hmm. There's there is actually a short where the Joker and some other B level villain team up to kidnap world famous actor Mark Hamill. <laughs> so it's. The Joker, voiced by Mark Hamill. The B-Villain, voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> the Captive, Mark Hamill. And they all have their own voices because yeah. he actually voice acts and doesn't just mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. So he gets away from them by imitating each of them because he can and convincing them to fight each other. Mm-hmm. And the car like hits a tree or whatever. <laughs> and then some B-side hero shows up to help him now that it's happened, who is also voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and just kind of because we've kind of touched on the the animated series a couple times now. Uh, probably one of my favorite episodes of the animated series was when um, all of the villains are kind of having a little poker game, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and they're they're all kind of reminiscing on specific Batman interactions, right? As they kind of go through, and I think at the end of of the whole interaction, someone's like, you know, I think Bruce Wayne is Batman. And all of them just look at him like, you're crazy. Yeah. Like, like wow, yeah. How, how dare you? It's, <laughs> is that, and I, I may be butchering who is in what universe. Killer Croc, right? Is yeah. yeah. He's yeah. just like, I hit him with a rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, they keep talking to Hillary. Like, I hit him with a rock. <laughs> yeah, because like, I think it's like Two-Face, Penguin, Joker, Killer Croc, and maybe Poison Ivy, I think, is, uh, is around the time. I'm, but- I'm not sure if it's Poison Ivy or it might be Catwoman. No, I don't. No. Catwoman, like she's always been, you know, she's like a she, half. She's villain. her own. So side. I have, I, I have a card game that's based on that episode. That's kind of like it's a secret role card game. Oh, and so <laughs> that makes like sense. which which one of the people at the table you are is like secret yeah. information. <laughs> um, and so you're actually sort of half playing poker, but at the same time you have a secret power based on your your role to manipulate oh, the that'd hands. Be neat. Oh, that's cool. Um, and. Catwoman is in that game, so okay. I don't oh. remember if she was in the episode. I don't but. <laughs> see. I can't remember if she was in the episode, but I feel like just because she is one of the top. Again, she's she's, not, she's, she's shadowy. She's a gray. She's a gray area, but she's yeah. one of the. She, she's an antagonist in episodes where there isn't a bigger antagonist, right? I mean, sure. Yeah. She's she's also one of the top people who interact with Batman, who is also on the villain side. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So it, it would be logical for her to show up in a in a in a row with Joker, Penguin. I mean, she's very much a free agent. Well, she's she's her own side. She's a cat. Uh, also, uh, also, very aloof. <laughs> very aloof. <laughs> Anyways, moving forward, we're going to turn this boat around and point back at the actual plot. And have a little bit of a pre-spoiler talk, pre-spoiler wall talk on the Batman. Yep. And give out some scores. So, Joel, you want to give us a quick synopsis? Right. So, quick synopsis for The Batman starring Robert Pattinson. This is a darker, grittier Batman. (laughs) (laughs) And we have Gotham a city on the canonically on the eastern seaboard mm-hmm. but, but it, really just chicago it it might as well be seattle because it is always raining 
and <laughs> it's, yeah, it was wet. We have a nocturnal protagonist, so it is always at night. And then we have kind of to start off the thing, we have the beginning of a serial killing spree that leaves a clue in that is addressed to the Batman. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in uh, Detective Gordon at this point brings in the Batman and begins working this case with him as it unravels conspiracies and that go across the width and breadth of Gotham, unraveling the power structures that be and dark, gritty hijinks ensue. (laughs) (laughs) Dark, gritty hijinks. Okay. So, Joel, what was our composite score? Well, you know, for the first time ever, you have exactly the same access to that value that I do. So, Joel, what was our composite (laughs) score? Uh, So, so before... Um, before he kind of reveals this, we are, we are doing something new, uh, yes. moving forward, uh, for, for all subsequent episodes that happen is that we know what the aggregate score is, but we don't know the individual scores of what made up the aggregate score besides our own. Right. So the, so the composite score is based on our four scores on our pillar of review, in this case, spectacle, performance, plot, and score. So we know our own scores. We don't know anyone else's score, but we also know the 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 total the consensus. Yeah, right through the miracle of spreadsheets and technology. <laughs> and we, technology. we have done this. Thanks, Google. And the Batman <laughs> earned a whopping nine out of ten for us on aggregate. Flat out nine point oh. That's a that's a solid score. This is very high. This is not the highest, but it is but it is quite high. Quite yeah. high. Yeah. In addition to that, we also have a separate entertainment value score, which, which to me should at least always be the same as or better than the technical score, which I, dis- I, I, okay, under- yeah, I, I, I understand that there are cases where something is technically good. You just didn't like it, right? Like that, yeah. that can happen. Could be really long. And apparently that happened at least to a small degree here because our entertainment value is lower <laughs> coming in at an 8.7 <laughs> out of 10. Interesting. So, That's so actually point, interesting. 0.3. Uh, downgrade to entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'll be very interested to see where that comes from. It, it, could, it could be the length. You never know. Like, <laughs> like the length of the film. Why, Andrew, is that something? No, no, that no. You... <laughs> I... As Stephen raises That might have hand. been a factor on yeah, the audio <laughs> format. Uh, yeah, it could be a factor. Okay. I can yeah. see it being a factor. Okay. But yeah, okay. So it is it is worth noting that this is a three hour film. It's a three hour film. It, yeah. It's pretty much almost bang on right. It's like it's like two hours and fifty six minutes. Right. It's uh, three hours. Uh there there are another thirty other films that are roughly around that same time period for blockbuster major major films. Mm. So it is it is definitely on the the high end of time investments. Yes. The pacing is also kind of slow. It is a sort of serial killer versus detective that's a film thriller. noir yeah yeah um and it, and it has has a lot of those tropes but then it also dips into the action hero genre because it's it's also batman yep uh you're so if you are familiar with the dark knight films uh the trilogy uh from christopher nolan uh, it is going to be substantially less action than those films mm-hmm. yes uh and a lot more um uh kind of mood. like mood yeah <laughs> like emotion not even emotion just kind of vibe yeah is yeah. the best way to, to kind of describe it and 
if you if you're into that kind of thing, uh, it is a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Like if you mm-hmm. if you love kind of like the slower menacing shots of just Gotham and the atmospherics of of rain kind of hitting things, right? And uh, just really generally fantastic cinematography and given the fact given our review of dune um it is quite obvious that we like slow <laughs> films that have a lot well, of mood yeah <laughs> we're certainly more accepting of slow. Yeah. we tend to not penalize for that yeah, yeah. provided there is content within that mm-hmm. and, and there's definitely a lot of content too. Mm-hmm. the 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 plot of the film is like even though it does it does have a long runtime it doesn't ever feel like there's a wasted scene. No, it doesn't. And the the tension is kept high throughout. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. There is not a, a point where you really get much of a chance to rest because there's always, in every scene, there's something at stake. Mm-hmm. And it may not be violent stakes, but there's... There's, there's always something. Right. Something, yeah. Uh, and especially um, for, the, for the two main actors, Paul Dano as the Riddler and Robert Pattinson as Batman mm-hmm. or Bruce Wayne, you know, whoever. Batman. Wants, Batman. Uh, the, their performances are just so far and above what really you like. Really fantastic. I mean, they're both great actors already, but I honestly feel that, like, for probably both of these, it was, like, almost like a career-defining kind of role. Mm-hmm. Every movie Pattinson is in, I like him more. Yeah. Like, he, he has come a long ways from... From Twilight Moody's and Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's really barely well, in he's still, Well, I mean, he's, he's still in one moody. film. But yeah. What? He's, st- he's, he's still, still moody. moody. He's got the but, emo. But we're not sparkle we vampires We have completely anymore. lost all the sparkle. I don't know. This might as well be Seattle. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, to, to kind of add on to what Andrew was saying, I like how you were like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't dip as much into the, the superhero action film. Mm-hmm. It's really more of a, and there's this pause. Because in my head, whenever you flip that coin, you say, well, it's really more of an intellectual, but it's, it's not, it's, it's not. really just a mood. Mm-hmm. And this is all a buildup of <laughs> intensity and mm-hmm. broody. Well, and, and when like, and, and it's definitely one of those, whenever the action scenes happen, they are, this kind of like this big release yes. that you get mm-hmm. because you've had, you know, probably 20 or 30 minutes of full tension. Well, yeah, it's it's the anticipation and then the action comes and you're like, okay, so now we have a resolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, there's there's a couple like mini arcs through mm-hmm. the through the film because it's, it's a Pl- it's plenty of film, time for lots it. of time. And each each time you get to the, each of those little small resolutions, it, the payoff is just so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah, just this is also if you are a fan of the Arkham series of Batman video games, the combat really feels like that. Like it does. when when Batman goes in and is just brutalizing fools, it, <laughs> it feels like you're playing, you're watching that game being played. And so, yeah. from a fan of of those games, that was that was pretty satisfying to see on screen. Well, and it's nice to see very fast paced action because we spend all this time. You know, there, there are some really slow shots mm-hmm. where we really dwell on people Menace. walking slowly, music building, blah, blah, blah. And then when the action hits, it is, there is no slow-mo, there is no gratuitous, we pause on the one punch or anything. It just, the action happens as it would essentially in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is very quick, very fast. And because Gotham mm-hmm. is its own character it's so dark so moody so rainy <laughs> sometimes even the action is almost a blur you don't really get to see what's going on you mm-hmm. just have the impression of violence well and, and that's not a 
bad thing either. No, no, it, it, right. it adds to the mood of the film as you're watching yeah, it. This is this is a particularly brutal iteration of the Batman. He is instilling fear through brutality in his in his victims. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's it, that's a correct. Uh, <laughs> they, they were trying to victimize someone else, <clears throat> yep. and then he chose to make them the victim. Yeah. <laughs> Always um, a bigger fish. But what they do with the cinematography is you see the wind up. You see the the execution of the punch but the actual violence is just off screen mm-hmm. right or uh, so fast there's no opportunity and like then that's kind of where the i talk about the the gratuitous punch mm-hmm. you don't get you know the slow-mo the face bending mm-hmm. around and the, yeah yeah it just it <laughs> happens and you know violence took place yeah. but you don't actually see the spray of like blood everywhere and, yeah. and it allows you to present the brutality because that's an important part of the character that you're trying to portray mm-hmm without going all the way and showing gratuitous violence in all of its gory glory. Or, or right? just well, going straight into being R-rated. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they the the film is rated PG-13, and they push that right to the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you were surprised I almost thought we were it was, looking I it thought up. it was rated R. Yeah. Uh, and like, so then we kind of commented, as, well, if that was rated R, that was actually kind of tame. Mm-hmm. And then we looked it up, it's like, oh, that's PG-13. So they're right on the edge yeah. of like what they could do. In uh, kind of going back to uh, some of the action sequences where you you kind of get the hint of violence, there are two standout sequences um, in the film that are one shots that are choreographed beautifully mm-hmm. uh, that we'll get to you know later on in the episode when we're talking. I'll, I'll be very because I didn't really look into if they did one shots. I'll be very interested to see which so it, scenes those were. If you're familiar with the hallway scenes from the the Daredevil TV show, it's kind of in conceptually it's mm-hmm. that it's it's not nearly as impressively executed but conceptually it's that okay yeah well before we go any further i promised y'all a, a little mini rant before <laughs> we get into intermission and spoilers and now i'm gonna f- fulfill my promises a mini rant okay okay <laughs> and this isn't really for the listeners because everyone who listens to this Pat yourself on the back. You are a considerate, intellectual being who would never do this. And <laughs> I, I appreciate no you for that. Going. So, obviously, for this podcast, we've been going to movies, going to the back to the theater. Pandemic has kind of calmed down. People are back in the theaters. And I don't know what happened. But people, sit your butt down <laughs> in your seat and <laughs> Stay there. <laughs> Dune, The Batman, even Uncharted, which, you know, of, of all the movies that I felt like, am I about to get into a fight in a theater because people won't put their phones up? Why would I have to do that over Uncharted? <laughs> you don't have to be here. <laughs> but I just cannot believe how much up and down there. I get it. It's a three-hour movie. Go to the bathroom first. Get your popcorn first. Do not. Do not bring your three-year-old to the Batman. (laughs) We had a three-year-old six seats over from us. And, you know, it's fine. The three-year-old doesn't really know what's going on. But I guarantee you, in that child's fibers, they feel that tension and they have no concept of why. And they're scared because she cried a lot. (laughs) And I felt bad for the kid. And I was also not pleased because 
You're, you're trying to enjoy the three hour sit film. Your you butt down. <laughs> Don't bring your kids. Get your food before the movie starts. Put up your phone. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm done now. So I feel that Stephen is just kind of like George Costanza whenever he's in movie theaters. And he's just like, don't make me come back there because I will. <laughs> no. And that's the thing is I don't want to. I don't want to have to say something. I shouldn't have to say something to anyone ever. And I feel like prior to if I went back to like 2018, mm-hmm. I never felt like, wow, that dude's got his phone out. In the middle, like, what are you doing? I, I never felt like I picked up on that to the extent that I have in the last, like, six months. I, I will say that I, I am kind of on your level because the last couple of times we have been to, uh, like, Dune, uh, maybe not Batman. The, the showing was pretty good. But uh, just a couple of the other films that we've seen in theaters over the past couple of months with stuff opening up from the pandemic. There have been a lot of instances where, like, I'll look over and, like, someone, like, the two, the couple that is sitting, like, like a seat away from me are just sitting on their phones mid-movie. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why it's, are you here? It's really expensive to sit in a dark room to be on your phone. That was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, and, you know, obviously, we have a movie review podcast. We care about films. Yeah. Don't. Not everyone has this kind of. No. And, and but just. Don't go in and be like, I'm going to do whatever I please because you are just destroying it for other people who have also paid to be there. Yeah. Well, you had your rant. I got my rant. <laughs> we, are, we are past the rant and we are now heading into the intermission. And if you fear the shadow of spoilers, we understand. If you like what you've heard so far, you should check out our other content at spoilersintendedpodcast.com. But if you're ready to become the knight, listen on. I'm Batman. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that intermission because from here on out, it's all dark, all gritty. All vengeance, all the time. All spoilers. All spoilers. That's right. (laughs) So we're going to kick this off. And remember, according to our new format, we do not know what each of us scored these individual categories. So you are going to learn about it at the same time that I do. I'm going to learn how bad an opinion Andrew has. Well, but see, that's the thing. We we clearly, we we gave this a nine. We clearly like this film, so there's really not going to be a lot of contradicting well, there's, kind of There's some aspects that we did well, not like. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Or le- like mean, less. We, that we liked less than, than you know, other things, and, and we definitely have some differing ideas of entertainment score. Uh, but, you know, like this, even though this is the first time that we were doing this, um, unfortunately, this is a film that we all genuinely like. Oh, oh unfortunately. <laughs> So, it's so unfortunate. There, it's so unfortunate. This was there, such, such be a, a triumph big, of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's not going to be a big surprise of like, oh no, he gave it a ten. What? Oh. <laughs> I mean, particularly you know. because of the way that this spreadsheet is constructed. It's all Stephen's can, fault because we can see, see the can individual see scores. The, we can't see well, the individual scores, but we can see the if, total. If, the, if you can do some math, you can figure it out. <laughs> no, no, but no, but see, that's the thing. If you if just you gotta just, obscure it more, yeah, I can if you obscure, just obscure I, no, that. Just make the whole, just make the whole square black. 
this is a first run. I will solve these issues. I didn't actually expect you to even look at it prior to it. You're like, oh, well, look at the composites. They're messed up. I'm like, well, I'm glad well, you it checked was that. Also, why are you in this spreadsheet? It initially <laughs> had Batman at 11.2 for our it's aggregate that score. That good a movie. Anyways, <laughs> moving forward. How yeah, does it work? We divide, we, we, entertainment score got added in somehow. Anyways, so moving into our first actual part of the review, uh-huh. we're going to talk about the spectacle. The spectacle. So this is things that make you go, wow. How does it feel? The mood, the energy. <laughs> it was a moody impressive film. impressive about the film? I'm going to let Joel go first. Okay. Take well, all the good points, Joel. All of the good points. All well, I gave Spectacle a 9 out of 10. Okay. Okay. Um, this was a very visually impressive film. I mean, it was obviously. I'm curious of what you knocked it for. Uh, it was obviously a, a monotone in terms of the the dark. visual, right? Like it's, it's, dark. it's dark. It's at night. It's probably raining. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was maybe like two daytime outside daytime scenes. Yeah, that were taken and. They just turned into nighttime scenes. Yeah, they were because, like at sunset. Like it yeah. was about to be night. <laughs> and they were they were heavily overcast. Like there was no, oh, yeah. literally no direct sunlight. Until the end of the film. Until the, the end of the film. And even that was dawn or, or sunset. Uh, like, we're not really yeah. sure. <laughs> well, it had to be dawn because like clearly like. Well, on, on the top of the, the like the atrium the thing, that was dawn. And yes. then when you're saying goodbye to Catwoman, that's. That's like dusk. We have, dusk. We have to assume yeah. that's dusk, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the the mood of the film is established early on through the use of the voiceover, which, you know, we'll, we'll I'm sure, talk about a lot uh, a little, coming up. A I, little. I, I, my initial impression of the voiceover is like, hmm, voiceovers are a choice. And then it gets to where he's writing down the mm-hmm. content of the voiceover yeah. in the journal. I was like... I actually really like it, that. It's film. Is that part of spectacle? No. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's film noir to a T. Like, come on. Like that. Like that's just Detective One Hundred One. Right. Like, you I mean, gotta, I, you got to write it down and, like, you know, it was a dark and stormy night. Yeah. And Ugh. you know, Ugh. I found the shell casings <laughs> in a in a discarded hat. Anyway, there's it's it's if you want me to go ahead and and poke holes at it because you're curious as to why i didn't give it a 10 i'm assuming yes yes uh, i thought that the introduction of the batmobile was way overdone i, I thought so too. <laughs> and yes. and then the introduction of the bat cycle while much more subtle was still really jarring because like he was just he was getting around just fine on a regular motorcycle a regular for motorcycle. the entire Wait, there was a film. bat cycle there was a bat cycle oh yeah no the the front windshield type thing had like the little bat your points on it. Oh, I I guess I missed that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fairly subtle, but it was definitely not the motorcycle. I just thought it was the same motorcycle, the but I, I I must have missed that completely. Yeah, I, so, I wouldn't have knocked it for it. But so I I did <laughs> knock it for those things. I thought on the on the flip side, so those are kind of nods to the source material that I felt like were maybe a little ham fisted, maybe went a little too far. There were other nods to the source material that I thought were absolutely amazing. The standout piece being when. Gordon and Batman leave the penguin all manacled up <laughs> at the construction site and they're just going off. They've got their clue. They're going on to the next thing. And he's just like, ah, what are you doing? Come back. You know, and then he's waddling out this doing just doing the, the penguin waddle from the 1989 yep. film. Um, or was he in the second one? I can't remember. He was the second one. He was, he was the, second the second one. one. So not, not the 89 one, but the one, the one after that. 
They were both very dark. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so that that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly down the scale, the just the commenting, oh, you have a lot of cats in Selena's apartment was kind of, eh, okay, fine. That was there. She's Catwoman. That is they, her thing. They <laughs> tried to get in a little bit of the kind of the tension-breaking humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just Pattinson in the Batman persona isn't the person who can <laughs> deliver those lines. You have a lot of cats. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like that that's kind of part of the charm. It, I mean, is, it is. It is. But I think I would have preferred to just notice the cats myself or be shown it through cinematography as opposed to right. someone he, commenting he on it. He could very easily, cats. the cats could have been like rubbing on his leg. Yeah, and he and just kind of like down, boots one away then, a little or, bit. No, no, no. No, he just looks down at him and then looks back at her and she just says, I collect a lot of strays. Yeah, like you don't even have you to have that you line. Don't, he doesn't yeah, yeah, have yeah. to say anything. Okay, for that I mean, that's... You can, you can have the nod. You can have that with it being executed a little more artfully, I think. Okay. And then, sure. and then uh, back uh, back up on the high side okay. of, of these nods was, uh, again, back to the, the penguin interrogation scene where great. the penguin mm-hmm. is just getting fed up with just everything <laughs> and and he's like oh yeah you guys are just two of the world's greatest detectives here or something right yeah. like and you know directly referencing back to that being one of batman's classic titles is the world's yeah. greatest detective yeah they, they did a good job of dropping those in kind of very naturally mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it did like whenever the he kind of like essentially name dropped mm-hmm. with that like i was like oh that was cute yeah but it di- didn't feel like it was like anything it that fit took away the, from it the scene. fit the scene yeah because yeah. he he's clearly like you know he just got chased down mm-hmm. by batman that he thought he killed and then uh, now he's all tied up and he thinks that they're going to hurt him yeah and uh you know so what better way to fight back is just with words and yeah. just trying to be as sarcastic as humanly possible. Yeah. I mean, it's all he's got at that point. So yeah. I might as well use it. Yeah. Andrew. Uh, okay. So speaking of words that you've got, <laughs> I gave spectacle 10. Okay. Uh, and so I, I, I did almost knock the, the Batmobile kind of entrance or introduction uh, to be a, yeah. like, I almost knocked it for spectacle. However, the way that they visually did it was fantastic. I knocked it in the plot for other things. I got it. I got it in them both. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm just going to talk about good stuff because honestly, like we I gave it, it a I 10, gave it a 10. So you need to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the two standout scenes that I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the cast, uh, which were essentially one shots was the, the fight uh, in um, Falcone's um, like kind of like upper tier, um, you know, pool hall. Yeah, like room a, or after he takes out the lights and he yeah. comes in from the elevator in, mm-hmm. in the hallway. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. basically everything is illuminated just with the muzzle flashes yep. of the guns. No, that and, was that was perfect, and that, that's actually practical effects. Yeah, there there's no there's no CGI in there. Everything is lit with the actual muzzle flashes of the blanks that they're using mm-hmm. in the guns, and which in itself is a really high level of danger. Yeah. Just being that close to blanks discharging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that whole sequence is just fantastic. And I'm really upset. And the, this is more of a soapbox, which I'll get to maybe later. I don't know. But the fact that they showed it in the trailer. Yeah, I, that uh, was kind of they, – they didn't give you the full thing. Yeah, they gave but, you enough that you knew what, that it had yeah, what, to happen. Well, you knew it was going to happen. So then the second part was whenever he goes into the club for the first time as Batman. 
and uh, you know he you know he he gets through the door and mm-hmm. he's walking through and everyone's kind of like parting the ways they're like oh it, it, it's actually batman mm-hmm. and then you know you have the thugs that are like okay you know you're not supposed to be here man yeah. we need to stop you mm-hmm. and then uh they he starts fighting and then he starts kind of going down like these stairs and you know he's like he he's using you know some bat things to uh to fend off people that are like shooting at him mm-hmm. from from across the across the way and that entire scene of him kind of going down the stairway fighting people while also like shooting things to stop you know stop being shot at mm-hmm. it, that's all another essentially one shot and uh, that is just another fantastic little sequence until the penguin shows him he's like hey stop yeah. like, <laughs> what are you I'll, doing on my call yeah i'll talk to you just Stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop beating up all my guys. Ruining my business. Yeah. Um, and and probably my, my third favorite scene or just shot of the whole film was um, at the beginning, whenever he's going through the whole narration of, of everything. And, and clearly, like, you know where he's going to show up is mm-hmm. going to be where, like, the guys that are dressed in, like, you know, clown face paint and everything. Yeah. Because uh, that's clearly the one that has the more story to it, mm-hmm, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, that first scene, whenever it starts raining and then you just hear him just slowly walking out of the shadows and you just like and you still don't see him for like a a solid 30 seconds, I swear. And then you just, you know, you see the combat boots walking in the water and I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. Yeah. Like this is this is a mood that I could totally get, get behind. It? Ooh, they get it. Well, and, and that was such a good thing that they did to kind of show the type of Batman mm-hmm. that that Robert Pattinson was going to be playing mm-hmm. is that he was he was there to instill fear. Yeah. And it and it they went ahead and set up the primary conflict for the character for the Bruce Wayne as a character mm-hmm. in that when he's done terrorizing the bad guys, the guy that he saved, the only thing <laughs> that he says is don't hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like he is not a hero. He is not a symbol of hope. He he is vengeance. He is a symbol of fear and terror. Yeah, to everyone, not just the bad guys. <laughs> just the bad yeah. guys. Uh, so, what about you, Stephen? Well, I gave Spectacle a nine. Okay. So, we'll we'll start out with some good stuff. Uh, no slow mo in fights. Yeah, huge, that was huge nice. Pluses for me. I sometimes a little slow mo here and there is nice, but there are way too many people who just abuse it. Also despite the fights being really fast and brutal, we didn't really get a lot of shaky cam because the action sequences were just not very long. Mm-hmm. They were well, very quick. You know why? It's because it was the same cinematographer that did Dune and he doesn't do shaky cam. He makes good choices. <laughs> all I'm going to say. Uh, I got it. I got it again. And this is another factor for Dune. This is a Greg Frazier. Just okay. by the way. Thank you. But this is another thing playing off. Same thing that I said in that review we had a lot of really, really dark scenes Mm -hmm. where you still knew basically everything that you Mm -hmm. had to know that was going on. You could see the character. You could tell there are so many shots where uh, Pattinson kind of had his head at just the right angle to where one side of his face was shadowed. And then you could see the one, the highlight in the one eye. Yep. And that's all you need because he, you Mm -hmm. know, as a, as an actor for playing Batman, you have to be able to emote without actually having to like move your mouth. Right. Well, or, or you don't, you don't get half your face. You don't get your Mm -hmm. eyebrows for, there are no bat brows. He doesn't get his breasts. (laughs) So I, I, and I got to say that, that I think he handled it. This is partly performance, but it was also the spectacle because once you put on 
the the suit, the the, mm-hmm. the cowl, the cape. He handled that presence very well without speaking. Oh yeah, yes. Uh, there are there are a lot of really slow shots, like where he's walking into the crime scene and and the police aren't real happy he's there. Where, and this plays back into Joel's complaint about the the cat comment. He doesn't have to say a word. Mm-hmm. He just has to look around, you know, make eye contact with someone, et cetera. He just has to exist in this space and the direction and the cinematography and everything going on there allowed that scene to breathe and just, you don't have to talk. You don't have to throw out a quip. We're not doing anything like that. You're just going to make the walk, see what they don't see mm-hmm. and and take care of your business. Well, yeah, especially, yeah, that first scene, whenever mm-hmm. he, he's walking through the hallway with like literally just lined with cops and mm-hmm. FBI and just all of their faces basically tell the entire story that you need to know of how they view him mm-hmm. as, you know, this masked vigilante mm-hmm. where they're all like, you shouldn't be here, but I'm definitely not going to be the one to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Only, only one smart mouth cop's going to say it. Well, and, and, you know, and then <laughs> by the end of the film, he's like totally team Batman. Yeah. <laughs> which no, I, I, I love that kind of uh, character. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's some of that's going to show up in plot as well. Don't mm-hmm. worry. We're, we're going to get there. Uh, my last uh, I guess the the complaints, right? So the Batmobile start. Lauren actually asked me, "Did it, did it like misfire? Did he have to start again? Were they trying to make a joke there? That thing sat in the corner revving forever, and, and people <laughs> just like stood there and watched it. and watched it with, with <laughs> submachine guns in their hands." Dude, if you are sitting in the corner in a big muscle car revving your engine at me, and I got a submachine gun, I'm not just gonna stare at it. Yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> armored. I know, but. <laughs> Good Lord, they left that car in the corner forever. Anyways, uh, other complaint was for as grounded and uh, gritty <laughs> and, you know, dark, moody, et cetera, where all the action sequences are really fast, quick, brief, mm-hmm. and kind of just big explosions. And then we're back into that mood. Yeah. I think the movie really lost itself in the final act, the final, the, the final action, action set, set piece, sequence. Yeah. And they they tried to ramp literally the spectacle up too far and kind of lost control over what was making it great up to that point. Yeah, and I think so. We're going to hit that some in plot, I think, as well. It's going to for mm-hmm. me at least. It's going to come up, uh, but they lost maybe a little control over what was making everything else in the movie so good. And I don't think that they even needed because they didn't really make good use of it that amp up to really sell because every other like Joel hit on. Every other moment of a little bit of action after all this intensity, inten- tension, intensity, tension, <laughs> intensity, tensity. tension, <sighs> after all this tension was its own point of relief, right? It was its mm-hmm. own emotional break point. So I think they could have well, done that a little better. Yeah, and, and this is does getting into plot, but I, I think at that point you you have now kind of, because you had this, this really good uh, emotional set piece of of them basically uh her, him and selena infiltrating uh, falcone's mm-hmm. layer mm-hmm. and then capturing him mm-hmm. and then you have the the final release of like we caught the riddler mm-hmm. yeah and now you're you know like at this point because it's still a long movie but you don't really know how long it's been and i was like is that it and if you're if you're already thinking it's like oh is that it and then they're just going to kind of like have one little conversation with the Riddler and that's going to be the end of the film. You don't really, there's not a lot of, there's not enough tension 
mm-hmm. for it to build back up again for this massive set. So piece. I want to yeah. I want to re- I want to table this conversation for now and revisit it in plot because I actually I actually think I know why. Okay, okay, that's yeah, fine, no, yeah. and that's that's totally fine. That's totally valid. We are going to move on to not the plot. We're going to talk about performance. Performance, performance. So we are looking at the casting choices, how well the actors did. Did they rise above the material they were given? Did they meet expectations? Did they fall below it? So I've been talking for a little bit, despite some interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> Joel started. I don't I Joel, I, no, y'all, y'all are both just all over me. It's what happens when you go last. Everybody else has already thought of something new to say. Yep. So you know what? I'm going to hand it over to Andrew. Yep. I knew you were going to say Andrew because you were looking at me. Yep. And if, <laughs> this is an audio format, so that's lost on people. But I just, you know, illuminated yeah. the situation for them. Yeah. So yeah. Well, Andrew, <laughs> your score. <laughs> okay. So performance. This is, I mean, basically just how well they did, and, and how well did they do? <laughs> I gave them a ten. Yeah, that's what because I I, I'm not going to lie. I feel that. Um, this is maybe a career-defining performance for um, Robert Pattinson and uh, Paul Dano. Like they, they did. Is I mean, it, is like, that how you pronounce Dano, not Dano? I don't actually Dano? know. I don't. Know. I think it's Dano. I'm asking. Okay, I, I'm. I I'm going wrong. to accept I'm you as the authority wrong. on this subject. <laughs> oh no! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like they, they exceeded all expectations. From from what you kind of went in, and I'm I've I've never been a Robert Pattinson hater. Every film that I've seen him in, I, as as he has gotten older, and I have gotten older, and the films that he has made, basically after Twilight and Harry Potter, have I mean, he is a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. He's fine in Harry Potter. No, yeah, he's just only there for a blink of the eye. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, well, no, what I'm saying is like when he's really young, like like till now, and he. Like you know, there's all every time someone gets cast as Batman, there's always, you know, big hubbub of like, oh, he's not the right choice. It's the same yeah. thing with James Bond actors. It is. Where like I, I mean, like when Michael Keaton was announced to be Batman, like he was just a comedy actor. And and you know, people were up in arms about that. And, you know, a lot of people consider him the 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 backbone of which, of modern Batman. Which is really funny because when you go back to Adam West Batman casting a comedy actor as Batman would sound like almost the perfect choice because you just need that that element of hilarity yeah. based on what Adam West well, was doing in the series. Yeah, well, and you know, at the time in the in the late 80s everything, you know, had to be realistic. Well, we were and, dark and gritty yeah, yeah. as we have been since 2005 yeah. and also 2022, <laughs> etc. But you know, it's 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 that kind of stuff where every time there's a casting choice for for a big iconic character, there's always going to be a lot of people that are are naysayers just because they can't see him as anything else, or like Robert Pattinson as a sparkly vampire. Oh right. sure, I mean it's it's the it's the same sort of bias that leads to actors getting typecast because yeah. Yeah. you're just if if you're not willing to give someone a chance and break out into something that they've never done before then you're not going to see them do that. Do that, yeah. 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 So, like, with, with Robert, he took the, the kind of broody and emotional Batman of, of basically kind of fighting with himself. Well, emotionally repressed. Emotionally repressed from the sense of he, he's clearly the Batman and Bruce Wayne is his alter ego here. Yeah. I mean, we barely even see Bruce Wayne in the movies. So yeah. They, they, they drive that home pretty hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. and... And he plays this this very um, 
not I'm not going to say calm because he's not calm, but a very collected, uh, focused anger mm-hmm. with with him, especially in the scenes where he is is detecting and investigating things to try and <laughs> uh, to to try and figure out the clues that the Riddler is leaving behind. Mm-hmm. And you can you can because he's he's very he's very concise of of his choices, but at the same time, like you can definitely tell, there's a lot behind that. So I 100% agree with everything you're saying. But what's running through my mind as you're describing this is Elmer Fudd in a bat <laughs> suit going around saying, "Be very quiet. Uh-huh. I'm detecting." I'm detecting. <laughs> <laughs> well, just ruined Batman for me. Thanks, guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the rest of the supporting cast did an amazing job as well. Like Colin Farrell as Penguin was not I something I still don't I was ex- believe that was Colin Farrell. <laughs> it, was, it was such an incredible transformation. Yeah. No, we, we had a moment when the, the credits went by. I was like, wait, Colin Farrell? Where was Colin Farrell in this movie? The Penguin? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I really liked, um, I don't think you can, I don't think there's ever really been a bad casting for Alfred. I think every Alfred that they've ever had in, in any of the Batman films has always been a good choice. I have opinions. Yeah? Yeah. What, what are those opinions? I don't know. Do you want to hear the score? I mean, sure. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to take the reins <laughs> on, that, on that note. Uh, I gave performance a 10. Wow. I know, right? Amazing. Uh, so... Like you were talking about the the controversy whenever a new Batman is yeah. cast, right? When when Batfleck was a thing, there were a lot of upset people because I actually liked him as Batman. Well, the thing is, just from who he just the mental image of him, he's gonna make a phenomenal Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he at least has the stature to be Batman, right? He's got yeah, the he's, he's got, got the, the size. Broad shoulders. Yeah, he's got he's he's big dude, got the got the jaw. So I, I actually when they announced Pattison was a little upset that Affleck didn't get a chance to be in a not crap movie as Batman. <laughs> There's no way he could have handled this film. I don't. I don't think, I don't think so. I mean, I and think Ben Affleck needed... is a fantastic actor. I just don't think he had the the emo like the like I don't know the controlled rage. It's it's not. I don't know even, if he could be quiet. That it's long. not even that Pattinson <laughs> demonstrated a range because there there wasn't really a range there. No. Yeah, but it's more like. Some singers can hit the bass note and others can't. And this was a bass note kind of emoting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I ultimately was not, di- I gave it a 10. I was not disappointed by what I got from him. Mm-hmm. And obviously we got very little Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Which kind of works because. Well, because this is, this is early in his batting he's, career. He's very, very rolled. <laughs> he into, knew it bat. So <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but he's, he's very, uh, consumed by it correct yeah uh so would you say he hit it out of the park (sighs) (laughs) i am going to come over there cannot wait till we change the setup and i can just reach across (sighs) so beyond that well you you said you didn't like alfred or well well i'm I'm going down my list okay Uh we'll get there that was the trigger for me to take over as much as i can take over uh (laughs) So uh, Zoe Kravitz was great. Oh, she's fantastic. I was honestly, I did. I had no clue who they had as Catwoman because you get a little bit of her in the trailer, but you mm-hmm. don't actually see her with the mask off, I don't think. Uh, and even then, I, I wouldn't so. have known who, yeah. who this was. Well, if there's any time there's one where she doesn't have the mask on, she has a wig on. Right. Yeah. yeah I just don't, I didn't know. And I honestly, if you're like, oh yeah, Zoe Kravitz, that's a 
So she she is uh, one of the main characters in the HBO series Big Little Lies. So that's why which, I don't know who. Which also has Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Shailene Woodley, and uh, someone else. But it is a fantastic drama. Okay, cool. Like, totally recommended. Two Anyways, seasons, awesome. Back to the plot. <laughs> but we're not. We're on performance. So... I, I was I was impressed. She handled what she was doing really, really well. I think she really hit kind of the the sassy, snarky mm-hmm. notes correct. And she also did a, a really good job of acting within a movie when she has to pretend, like yeah, selling yeah. the idea mm-hmm. that I'm 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 not I don't really want to be here. Mm-hmm. But, in in particular, the part of the scene where he's like he's he's got her with the wiretap, basically, right, and he's. Mm-hmm. using her to see into the, the club. club within the club. Mm-hmm. And she gets to the point where she, her goals no longer align with his mm-hmm. and she just goes her own direction. And that whole, like the whole sequence there where she is following his direction, doing things that make her uncomfortable. You can feel that discomfort. Yeah. And, oh, then, yeah. and yeah. then when it switches and it becomes her mission, her whole demeanor changes. Mm-hmm. She's suddenly way more involved and in, yeah. into what's happening. I, it was it was a really good job. I uh, also want to highlight. You already hit Colin Farrell mm-hmm. and Paul Paul Dano. Dano was phenomenal. Again, mm-hmm. another person who I, if you just said, "Oh yeah, they're in it," I wouldn't necessarily be like, "Oh yeah, that's gonna be great." Now, if you say, "Oh, they're in," I'm like, "Ooh, I wanna." Yeah, I think I wanna watch if, that. If, if you want a good Paul Dano film, uh, there will be blood. Okay, yeah, I mean, I've seen. I know. I like. I know he's, but there was. <laughs> <laughs> there was not the same I mean, that's the Daniel Day Lewis film right yeah that's I mean, that's like, the Daniel Day Lewis film at its core yeah the, the, especially towards the end of the movie this was a Paul Dono film mm-hmm. for a while where he just gets to just full monologue oh man the the scene in in Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. where he just he just gets to just talk at Batman mm-hmm. oh man and like then, chilling, like it truly was, terrifying. It was really fantastic. It really had the same sort of of tension about it as any time in The Dark Knight when the Joker invades someone's personal space. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah and yeah. so you know that at the blink of an eye, he could just lash out with with violence. Mm-hmm. But but you don't know when it's going to come because he just keeps not doing it. And yep. you're like, oh, no, it's coming. But, but and for it, this one, he was behind glass. And it, and it, but it wasn't violence you were afraid of. It was what have you already done that we don't know about yet. So one more good mm-hmm. mark. Jumping off that before we, we hit. gave my, it a 10. I, wh- one more good mark. <laughs> <laughs> one more. Someone, uh, see, but the thing is, this didn't detract from it. I just don't know that it added to it. No, but we're not, but yeah. we're not there yet. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey Wright as... Uh, Lieutenant, or, Lieutenant Lieutenant Detective Gordon, Gordon yeah. mm-hmm. was great. I really yeah. liked him playing that character. I think he handled the, you know, I'm an, I'm an experienced cop, but I'm, you know, one of the few good guys working within a corrupt system, et cetera. Mm-hmm. He handled that really well. And he, I think he and uh, Pattinson played off each other. Pattinson? Pattinson. Pattinson. I know I've been messing that up. I-N. Yeah, I got it now. So he and Pattinson, Pattinson, he is the general's son, son. did a, (laughs) (laughs) golly. Except it's an I-N and not an O-N, so I mean, you know, it's close. Anyways. You can't bat a thousand. (laughs) I'm so glad that I brought that in. Batting 300 is considered pretty good. (laughs) Anyways, uh, the two of them played off each other really well, especially with him being able to work with, he's essentially 
bouncing stuff off of a stone wall mm-hmm. that is the Batman. Well, yeah. and, well, I mean, and there was there was some legitimate back and forth because Batman out of nowhere will be like, this is the answer. Yeah. Yep. And then he's like, that's the answer. And then they kind of, he, he well, kind of mulls through it for a second. He's like, oh, okay. So if that means blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, and Jeffrey Wright has um, a, a very like, a, kind of like a deep uh, bassy voice. And it helps with that kind of tone for like yeah. the film noir yeah. kind of kind of not buddy cop because it's not really that but the jaded uh, detective exactly yeah. and mm-hmm. if you if you look at Gary Oldman who is also a fantastic yes. Gordon yeah uh, he I don't think he would have worked in this kind of role because Gary Oldman is such a good emotive actor mm-hmm. where he fits the 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 relatively comic book style of the Dark Knight films. Yeah. Yes. And uh, going back to the chemistry between Jeffrey Wright and and Pattinson, uh, I thought in particular when they're entering the orphanage, and Gordon pulls out his gun, and Batman's like, "No guns," and <laughs> and, he's, and he comes right back at him with, "Yeah, man, that's your thing." <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that was perfect. Uh, the the final the the knock. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Circus as. Alfred was okay. It was a different kind of so of all the things I didn't expect to have such a visceral reaction to, you know, oh, we changed who the Batman is. You know, how are you gonna feel about that? And it's like, oh, Alfred, oh, Alfred being being someone totally different actually kind of bothers me a little. And it's not that it's they recast it, it's that I think it feels like there's not enough distance in age between whether it's perceived age or actual age between Andy and Pattinson. Pattinson? Okay, for I can, him I can, to really promote the father figure, I, I can I can understand that. Well, there's also in this iteration, like in all of the not to say all in in the majority of the recent film presentations mm-hmm. of Alfred, he fits the more into the mentor figure mm-hmm. for Bruce. Whereas in this one, it was very it, 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 not not without grounding it's it's there's grounding in the comics for this but it fits the more alfred wants to help but bruce just doesn't listen to him right well and it was kind of alfred was almost kind of like an older brother here mm. where you are still kind of a mentor where he he's going to come up with some of his own ideas and he's going to present them and then you know batman's just gonna be like well i already figured it out or mm-hmm. well you didn't take the extra step and we have some of that i just they they didn't build enough of a connection that the later uh, scene tragedy in the, in the and payoff just wasn't there as much Okay, because you just didn't quite have enough options. You had, you have some little bits like with the, uh, the cufflinks and these mm-hmm. kinds of things that were good. And I don't think it's, it's not so much a fault of Andy Serkis as an actor. Cause he's a pretty good actor. I think it's just ultimately maybe not quite as good a casting as there could have been. Yeah, that's fair. So and that's why I, I still a 10 because it's not like it's his fault. He took the role, I mean, get paid, and do what you can with it. You just may not ultimately be the right person for it. Yeah. I mean, it's also hard to to get away from Michael Caine as Alfred. It is. Because uh, I, I felt that he was probably the perfect casting. Well, and in basically all iterations that I can recall offhand, Alfred is always hyper posh, like aggressively high-class London. And Andy Serkis is not. Well, if you go if you go back to the Gotham TV series, which is that's a, I'm not. It's going a back little. There. It's okay. more. It's more recent than the Christopher Nolan films, right? 
uh, it was definitely more of the Andy Circus kind of okay. rough and tumble. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, that could be special forces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's totally fair. The thing is, like, if you go out to say, you know, uh, animated series, right? Alfred is very much so the, the, the He's posh, just a butler. precise. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you go all the way back to Adam West, Alfred was posh, precise, the butler, but he's also winning archery contests with the Joker kind of thing. He still had all the skills, but it was all under the veneer Mm -hmm. of the proper and precise, which is ultimately what I really look for, I guess, out of it. And that's just not quite what he was able to bring. Anyways, I'm talking. Well, we still haven't heard Joel. Joel. Yeah. Well, I am going to buck the trend and also also give performance a 10. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my. I, I, I would love you to defend that defend it well i have nothing bad to say (laughs) (laughs) i thought that all of the casting was amazing i thought that all of all of the performances were stellar i thought that in particular it was so impressive to be able to on in in robert pattinson's case to be able to emote through not only the physical mask that he was wearing Mm -hmm. but also the mask that the character was wearing over their soul, if if that makes sense, yeah. right? Because he is a thoroughly emotionally repressed, rage-driven, depressed individual right? who has no emotional range. And so when things elicit emotion from him, he treats those emotions as curious strangers. He responds to them uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. In the scene, in the hospital bed scene, where he he's saying, I, I never, you know, I, I thought that I had basically stripped myself of the ability to feel what I am feeling now. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to feel this again. He's, <clears throat> he is talking about and he is enumerating the fact that he's, he's not okay, right? Mm-hmm. He is in a very, very bad state of mental health. and. And as the film progresses and he has the little touches with uh, the son of the the mayor who he sees as a stand in for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the near the very end with the woman who is kind of clutching at his arm because he's this symbol of hope to her in this crisis. Um, and she's afraid of getting on the stretcher to go on the to go on the airlift. And which would be pretty terrifying. Yeah, it, it would be. <laughs> Honestly. And, but he has never had anyone look at him that way before. And you could see, even though he is wearing the costume, so he's only got half his face to work with. And he, the rest of his face is completely covered in mud and dirt and, and dirt, and gritty, gritty darkness. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the, the shock on his face that, without him even really changing what he looks like. So it's, yeah. it's just really impressive that he was able to bring so much of the character's journey across mm-hmm. while at the same time being allowed to work in such a tiny range. Yeah. Well, well and, and he doesn't, I mean, he has dialogue, yeah, but like he doesn't really, whenever he's in the mask, he doesn't really have that much to say. Yeah, And, every, and you know, if he's not saying anything, the only thing he really has is just, his eyes mm-hmm. and his, you know his posture which which going back to costume design just just for a moment them showing and using the eye black 
<laughs> as part of the costume and as a way for you to tell if he just took it off or not. Mm-hmm. Right. It was really fantastic. I loved that that part of the well, whole also costume. The, the nod to kind of the practicalities of what he's doing. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's just a little absurd. Well, yeah, if you want to get into that skin tight suit, there's going to be some baby powder. Yeah. <laughs> and we just kind of ignore that because you just slid down a pole and now it's on you. Mm-hmm. But but here you kind of get the extra bit of well, you're you're burning the the wick at both ends, right? Like this is the midnight oil mm-hmm. basically on his face of like it's I, I got something I gotta do and I'm still like this and I am exhausted. Yeah. Yep. But I'd still have to do it. Yeah, it still has yeah. to it's still just part it still of the has to be done and this is just what it is. But I, I will say to to your point that also big props to the cinematography and the directing for allowing those kinds of moments like what you were describing to stretch long enough because if you can't be really expressive with your face, it does take time yeah. to display those small shifts and well, you have to be given that chance. And you have to be, you you have to have the the backing of a proper lighting crew that, and, and a cinematographer that understands light mm-hmm. and, and how it how it goes over the eyes, how it how it goes over like half the face. Like there, there's a lot of techniques in there that a lot of that people don't really think about that that elevate these kind of performances to where if it was, I'll say, shot like a Christopher Nolan film, which is generally very well, like almost perfectly exposed every single time. There's very like very really bright or really dark scenes. You wouldn't get the same kind of emotive experience mm-hmm. out of it if it was just a well lit scene. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you have to look at it from the perspective of there is one singular light and that is the only highlight that is happening on the top of his eye to where you can see it go up and down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, anyways, Joel? No, that was... that was, oh, oh, we took all your points. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I commented as we went along, that's but that fair. was the main capstone that I wanted to leave you. Okay, that's that's very valid. I just want to make sure you, got, you have a chance to get your points out. So speaking of, we're going to move into the score score. So we're going to talk about the music. And I'm gonna let Joel go first. Okay, I thought that the music was pretty great. I gave it a nine. Okay, well, that feels like a decently valid score. Yeah. So the main theme, the dun 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 dun. Mm. I mean, that was just really, really fantastic. It was simple enough to really get a hold of quickly, right? And it also kind of conveyed the tone of the film in being dark and gritty <laughs> but it was it was menace it, it was menacing and it was a little on the slow side right right mm-hmm. and so that really fit the tone of the film throughout the rest of the film you don't get kind of the stock oh we're in a fight scene so we have this exciting you know you know high tempo exciting music to go along with it it was all calculated to promote tension right yep and um so for that it gets major props i would I would say that the only thing that I didn't give it a 10 for was perhaps an over-reliance on the main theme mm-hmm. okay. and, That's fair. and reusing it a bit too much, whereas you could have branched out and, and grabbed themes for other characters mm-hmm. and, and sort of broadened the repertoire for the film. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. Yeah, go ahead. And add on to Joel's nine with another nine. We're going very German right now. <laughs> uh, so I thought it was really interesting looking up what else this composer has done. Oh, fun. Yeah. Damn it. You're taking my... <laughs> I, I, I also did this because I was like, well, it did, you know, it reminds me of a Hans Zimmer score. I didn't think Hans Zimmer scored yeah. this. And I looked up. No, no, no. no, okay, no, no. I'm not, I'm not so 
I'm gonna save one for you because I know there's one that you you that that had to have stood out to you. I'm gonna save and let you have that. But you know, he did other such incredibly dark and gritty and masterful work like Up and Ratatouille <laughs> and Inside Out and Zuto. Wait a minute, hold on. And No Way Home. And and boy, he also did MCU stuff. Yeah. Uh, he also did the the Star Trek reboots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So I that one I can I can really appreciate. Uh, Incredibles I think is probably in a lot of ways not maybe not the closest but it's really close to what he's done mm-hmm. uh, for this. Yeah, because it's it's very much so a a superhero, but it's not like a classical superhero. It's also heavily stylized, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you. I really liked the main theme because it it again it fit the theme of the movie. It was dark. It was gritty. It was slow and measured, but as soon as it triggered, there was no moment of, oh, is this ice, ice baby or under pressure? Well, no, it was, you know what this is, is the main thing. Yeah. It, it wasn't derivative of other Batman films. No, yeah. it was, it was, it's pretty much its own thing. It was its own best thing. As I could tell. I, I didn't go all the way for a 10 because I think, you know, it helped sell a lot of scenes, but I feel like maybe there were, there are other bits. Like the only thing that really, I listened to the score today just to, hear mm-hmm. it again the only thing that really stuck with me was ultimately the main theme and there are other bits and pieces that were good and i'm like yeah that that fit and that works and some of it may just be the action sequences were so fast there was no chance to make some other type but and i don't i could just be wrong but it felt like a lot of other characters i think this is kind of what you were saying is other characters didn't really have their own theme mm-hmm. And so you never really got the chance to build up themes. Well, you don't you don't have um, any kind of leitmotifs that that go throughout the mm. whole film besides the main the theme. main theme. Yeah, yeah. So, so so you don't you don't have Catwoman's theme or yeah. the Penguin's theme. It's it's all just I mean it's and um, which I mean it's fitting. The movie is called The Batman, yeah. not the Gotham City Miscreants. <laughs> uh, so I actually I actually gave it an eight. Oh, okay. Um, mostly for for both of of what you guys kind of said, uh, mainly on Joel though, where the, the main theme, it felt a little overused a couple times mm-hmm. where I was like, you could have done something a little bit different here and it would still have been good. Uh, and the, and the main theme is fantastic. Yeah. Like I still gave it an eight. I loved it. And I, I listened to the whole soundtrack today mm-hmm. and, uh, I think probably my, my favorite, um, scoring part of the film was during the, the chase down the um, yeah. down the highway, the highway. Yeah. and because it's it's kind of like a Hans Zimmer track it really where was. it's this like kind of droning just kind of like like it's not like a it's like a pounding kind of mm-hmm. experience to where it's not this fast paced you know action MCU kind of music where uh, clearly this is this is the kind of music that that Michael uh, Giacchino like actually excels at because mm-hmm. he definitely does not excel at um no way home mcu <laughs> well, music well when you think about the flip if if that same chase happens in the mcu it happens in broad daylight it does mm-hmm. and you see every, every single car chase in the mcu happens in broad daylight the only car related incident i swear in the mcu is strange driving off the cliff <laughs> that happens at night everything else <laughs> happens in broad daylight in the middle of a big city Whereas that was, you could be kind of slower with it because there was always the moments for like the penguin to look back in the darkness mm-hmm. and you can take your time with that because we're, we're building that up and the music was a huge part of that. Yep. And, and, 
especially like right right when the the big climax of the chase happens to where the the tanker flips over explosions happen mm-hmm. and he's looking back he's like oh, i got you yeah and then you know you obviously you have the big hit whenever he whenever yeah. the batmobile <laughs> ramps out and uh, you just see the look of disbelief on his face. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, I got nothing now." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was all I had. <laughs> and, and the whole the whole scoring for that was just absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much. Like, I mean, I gave it an eight mostly because it it the the main theme, while not being derivative of other Batman movies, Batman movies, Batman, ba- Batman's, Batman, Batman's movies, others, others that bat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it it became derivative of itself mm-hmm. for the tone of certain scenes, like towards the end, where you're just like, okay, we've heard this before, right? And it didn't ever develop. You know, a lot of times when you have those kinds of themes, it'll pick other pieces up throughout the movie as the character changes, mm-hmm. and we'll get development within the music. And we just didn't. Was it good? Yes, I great. like it. Yeah. Sure. Could it have shown a little character development of its own? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but oh. I mean that's that's all I got for score. I mean it was it's a great soundtrack. I've already put it on my my normal rotation soundtrack that I or playlist that I listen to probably every week. So. Did, did No Way Home's soundtrack make it on that list? No, yeah, not, not at so. all. <laughs> it's such a it has to just be but decisions. I, at the I back have end. at least six of uh, Michael's other soundtracks on my playlist. Does that include the one that I avoided mentioning? Uh, I don't. I'm trying to think of what other. You worked on Speed Racers soundtrack. I actually don't have the Speed Racer soundtrack I... on my Weeb card revoked. Um, <laughs> well, honestly, it's been. I, I, I've never. I've seen never it, really. So I don't know. I've never really thought about using the soundtrack on there, but I'll, I may have to you just have to look go into through, it. Yeah. Go through and listen to it. I actually, I, we I, should just review that movie because ooh. it's a fantastic masterpiece. And then it turns out that he actually stole the Batman main theme from Speed Racer. Oh no! Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. What a twist! Anyways, moving forward into the plot, and I have been doing this strategically. I'm going first this time, <gasps> taking them all. Knock yourself out. Plot twist. Plot twist. So I gave plot an eight. Steven's up to bat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Taking a swing at the bat. <laughs> oh, no, this, this is definitely a ground ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave it an eight. Uh, the easiest shot here is that the movie was just 20 to 30 minutes too long. And I, I think that it could have been a little tighter. There are bits that could have been. And I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir with the two of you, right? We, we saw this with Dune. We all have a pretty high appreciation and tolerance for, for slow, deliberate cinematography scenes. Mm, yeah, yeah, long, drawn out. We all we all have a pretty high tolerance for that, and this movie pushed it a couple of times. Like, give me a couple of those because I, I want that hit, mm-hmm. but don't OD me like this one did <laughs> a little much. Uh, towards, towards the end, it did. It did feel like there was no false endings, like Return of the King. That was nice. That is not true. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> It's not a false ending. It's a false, false ending. Death actually, thing? yes, that's an ending of time. <laughs> uh, but like, like stuff like the Batmobile rev. Uh-huh. We just didn't. We didn't need to sit in the corner revving the Batmobile for thirty-five seconds. Yeah, it just wasn't necessary. It had to it had to spool up, man. It's a jet engine. Also, it, it also implies that the Batmobile has a very quiet mode because it got there somehow, <laughs> and it sure didn't get there sounding like that. That's what I knocked it for. <laughs> <laughs> Fennec Shand, is that you? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. But also, oh, no. Well, but at least the Batmobile was already there before the shootout started. Maybe. 
We don't know that. We weren't shown that. <laughs> All right, continue. Uh, I think the the next big plot point that I'm going to ding on because it all happens mostly off screen is how like the Riddler is a, a geek. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not a physical person. He has no implied skills beyond he likes the puzzles and he's yeah. kind of built this web. And like, how do you get in the DA's car? How are you in the mayor's mansion? How are you in the Gotham city PD's gym? And we don't get any of that. And we don't really get a, a, a decent justification for it at any point. He didn't like go on YouTube, like how to break into the GCPD gym. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he yeah. just, he never has, he doesn't really have henchmen until the end. Mm-hmm. So it's not, and they're like, not even really henchmen. They're, they're not, they're not really henchmen. They're just fanatics. Yeah. They're, they're just a play on, uh, social media and yep. whatnot. Uh, so that one kind of hit me cause it, it's really cool seeing it happen. But at the same time, once you really reveal you know who he is and in full, it's not like he was connected. He's not like he worked for the DA's mm-hmm. office. So maybe he made a copy of the key or, you know, he never gets these opportunities. And for such a long movie for us and it being centered on detective work for us to never have the, the mention of, oh, well he got in this way using this item. And this somehow plays into how you find him mm. was a little disappointing. Uh, ultimately. I mean, in the heat of it, it doesn't really play off. It doesn't break it. Mm-hmm. Like my final point does. Um, because my final point here is just going to be for as gritty and dark and grounded and realistic a Batman as we could have. Body armor is not going to stop repeated long rifle shots. <laughs> or or I, just any kind of sustained I fire. Yeah. I, I just, and, and even if we can make the, the unobtainium argument of he's the wealthiest person in the world, he can have whatever material he wants on his body, the, the impact still travels into him. Right. So at that point, you know, it's, it's really just a usability versus defense trade-off. Yeah. It's not like, like ignore cost, yeah. right? So you, you have to, in order to have build up enough defense to say, yeah, I'm just bulletproof at this point, Right the suit is so heavy you can no longer fight in it yeah you're 800 pounds <laughs> well okay so like we're just going to ignore the fact that that kinetic energy from from a bullet that it transfers will, will, yeah will will transfer to your body we're just gonna say that there's some kind of substructure to his thing that absorbs the the impact right the generally speaking. ballistic webbing whatever yeah whatever um it's not even that it's the fact that um his the and this is more of just a a Batman in general problem mm-hmm. for for the entire franchise uh, is the fact that the bottom of his face that is always mm-hmm. exposed Through never like gets damaged a point blank explosion like the only time his jawline has anything on it is at the very end. <laughs> yeah like and, well, and, this, and you would think that like especially in the the finale where he's up on the rafters and he's being shot at from multiple mm-hmm. angles and everything like you would think at some point. One of the guys that has, you know, a long rifle that can line up a shot while he's, you know, essentially Fighting being held down whatever. by stuff, they would aim for the head. The yeah. only, well, he, <laughs> the I'm only truly sure vulnerable, and there was a, there was definitely um, mm-hmm. a bullet like impact spot on the top of his head in, in one of the, in one and of during the shots. One of the fights, yeah. And so like, again, ignoring the facts that that kinetic energy will just probably like smash your skull in, even if it doesn't actually penetrate mm-hmm. you. Uh, like at some point, like there has to be shrapnel or anything yeah. to mark or damage the face, the the bottom half of the face. Well, well, and they're just they're just 
this is just a this is a normal Batman problem. This is not just a the Batman. Problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is just a problem with the character. And but it does factor in here because for most of the movie, they do a good job of keeping the 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 threat, scale, the firepower level low until this point when you know they all start lining up on the rafters with presumably like a three hundred eight or a thirty out six long rifle, and it's just like you can't brute force your way through oh he's brute okay he's just standing on the catwalk just taking shots as he punches people like okay well so the 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 highest scale that he gets to before this this final piece is whenever he's going into falcone's um uh lair Mm -hmm. and there's automatic weapon fire however throughout the entire scene the only automatic weapon fire that only hits him is maybe like once or twice and it's just on essentially the chest because they're shooting for for center mass right and it's in the dark and every other shot is just illumination of him just beating the snot out of and, these and guys. And you can see all those, like he's got the guy's arm, the gun's mm-hmm. going off, hitting the roof, maybe mm-hmm. some ricochets. But that's way else also coming from, like, say, a submachine gun. Yeah. That's way lower muzzle velocity than a long rifle, just just by default. Yeah. No matter what whatever debate you want to have on calibers. Uh, okay, so I, I, I got my shots in. I still gave it an eight. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it with one good thing. Mm-hmm. We didn't get the 60,000th Batman origin story on screen. <laughs> and they still made it a factor with the little bits with like the mayor's son mm-hmm. and kind of the the desire to protect that and kind of relating to the, like both times, both at the crime scene and then at the funeral, kind of of all the people in the crowd, this is the person that Bruce Wayne feels the most for and has the most connection to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately. So I, I, I want to give him credit for that writing and it was already three hours. We didn't need 20 minutes to get, you know, Martha and Thomas in an alley and gun them down for the 40,000th time. <laughs> so on that note, I'm going to hand it off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it up there. I'm going to let one of y'all just grab it. All right. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I gave, I gave plot an eight as well. Okay. I thought that the... I think I'm going to go ahead and tackle the final climactic sequence. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Yeah. I, I left that one alone. I, I kind of okay. left that hanging because there's a lot of fake dying in there. Right. So, well, I mean, <laughs> fake dying aside, I'm I'm talking. I'm going to I'm going to talk about this from a how do you structure stories perspective, right? Because it does going going from the um, you know we've caught Riddler, we have the climactic confrontation with Riddler in the Arkham Cell scene. And then we go from there to, well, what, what is, what has he done? What has he done? And we go to the, to his apartment and we figure out the whole plot with blowing up the seawall. And then we have to rush to the Superdome place to have that whole thing. Right. So that transition does feel like you are at the very least switching genres. And, right? mm-hmm. and it's not, it feels like you're going back to a normal, genre. like superhero movie. It, yeah. It's, it's Gotham Square Garden. Yeah, that thing. Super. It's we're a not, super dome. We're, we're not in Louisiana. <laughs> anyway, there was a flood. The main we reason, the, the main reason that I think that 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 ultimately felt jarring was because they closed their brackets on their different plot points in the wrong order. Because that whole in sequence was about Bruce, and that was basically the only thing that was about Bruce because. Mm-hmm. It, well, no, that's that's not true. But it it was it was about Bruce confronting the fact that the Batman that he constructed was not doing what he thought he was, right? And that he has to become in order to not to to not ultimately be a force of terror, 
But to be a force of positive change, he has to incorporate hope. And in order to incorporate hope, he has to have hope, which he does not have. And, and so that whole scene was very important for the character's arc for this story. However, that was not the first arc that was opened. The first arc that was opened was the Riddler's mystery. So that, that needs to be the ultimate That needs to be, yes. The first arc that's opened needs to be the last arc that's closed. And, you know, before, before you get to your, now we're just in the falling. Is this a math and parentheses thing? Yeah, it's a programming thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Programming the human mind. But but like, but, but legitimately this is, this is a way that you organize stories. No, it makes sense. And I'm I'm, I'm tracking. And so if you find a way to hit the same beats, but flipping the order, I think that makes everything feel more natural. Flows a little bit. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm on board. I would, I. Would love to see like a fan recut where they they put that together in some way. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do don't don't even don't even bring that <laughs> bring that up. This is not the a Justice League Zack Snyder level. No, no. I didn't say I didn't say Zack Snyder. I said a fan cut. I'm actually not entirely sure that you want to flip the end. You mm-hmm. might want to flip the beginning. And that's valid. And but see that that would be actually probably cut, more cut compelling. some cut cut maybe one step out of the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, to save on time and then add some stuff at the beginning to bolster up the fact that Bruce is not okay. Mm-hmm. Bruce is a symbol of terror. Mm-hmm. And, and for that matter, Bruce doesn't want Bruce to exist. Bruce just wants to be the Batman. And that would also give you some good chances for your Alfred character to be more of the father figure yeah. as well. There's more chance for interaction. There. And so the whole time mm-hmm. you're working on that arc, while, okay, so now we've established that, that arc exists and then we go into the mystery and that's going on all the while the main arc continues to progress, the mystery arc resolves and then we get the big punch at the end, which gives you the, the resolution to the, the main The arc. light at the end of the tunnel yeah. type thing. I, I, yeah, I like the, the, the thought for restructuring. And we, we rated this movie really highly and I still appreciate the, the restructure look. Yeah, I mean. Andrew? Oh, um, well, so he wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no, I mean, well, okay. You always so gotta be ready to step up to bat. I'm going to, <laughs> Oh, he did it. <laughs> One of us. One of us. <laughs> um, I also gave it an eight. Oh, wow. We have some serious consensus going yeah. on here. Um, and in a, in a far less articulate and thought out, um, <laughs> idea that Joel has, uh, has so kindly given us. You're welcome. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I honestly like the, I mean, my first words are it, it was 30 minutes too long. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and I, I'm totally fine with long films. Like I, I love Return of the King. I, lo- I love, um, like we watched the Irishman I mean, uh, throw, a little while like ago. Some dust like, boot on. Yeah. I mean, like I'm totally fine with long films. Um, but it still felt like, and there wasn't really any like lost scenes that felt like you could have just cut it out mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have, and you would have, it, it would have had to have been small gains across exactly like yeah. like you cut like a couple scenes maybe like a minute shorter you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. 30 seconds here yeah. yeah and because every scene in the film had meaning and yeah. it had a reason to be there yeah and that like especially especially kind of the end for his not redemption but his kind of uh, eye-opening experience of like if i if i need to be the one to be able to beat up the bad guys i also have to be the one to save people yeah and and that's that's a good 
uh, juxtaposition from the beginning where, you know, he stops the guys from essentially um, probably killing Mm -hmm. um, the guy in the subway. And, uh, you know, it's like, please don't hurt me. Yeah. I know you're, you're kind of saving me, but I still don't want to, I still want to get my, you know, just stuff kicked in. Just because yeah. it's a bigger fish doesn't mean it won't eat you. Exactly. Too. Yeah. And, and then he goes to, um, to saving the, the mayoral candidate and everyone from under the scaffolding from the stage in the water after mm-hmm. he uh, essentially, you know, a fake death where, you know, I was like, oh, they actually just killed him with the the whenever he cuts the electrical line. Yeah, I just chose <laughs> to ignore that completely because it was mm. dumb. It was it, <laughs> of all the things in the in the end of this movie that's been so great up to this point. We had Batman's been shot by a shotgun. He's dying. No, no, okay, no, he's off. He's got some he's, uh, he's adrenaline juice. He's fine. He he just jumped out of the electrical wire, and took a massive shock, and is now falling however many stories into the water. He. They did it. He, they actually followed through. They just like glass. No, no. Okay. No, he's up. He's fine. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like that, that whole kind of sequence of events just were, it, it definitely felt like a normal superhero film. Yes. Then yes. it did this Batman film that we yeah. were, well, that we were watching. Well, also like at some point, I, I know, I get that you just shot yourself up with adrenaline, but. What are your bones made out of, dude? <laughs> you just took a sh- double shotgun blast to the chest slash stomach, jumped out onto this wire, got electrocuted, and then fell however many stories onto water, which isn't soft at that kind well, of height I landing mean, flat. At, at least with that, he does. He still does have body armor and and other things that are kind of stopping a lot of the the heavy initial blow. And, and he probably it's, fell it's three dis- stories. It's dispersing the blow, but you still take the key, like the. <laughs> When someone puts a shotgun in your gut and pulls the trigger, physics dictates there's only one direction for the kinetic energy to go. So you can disperse it some, but you can't disperse it much. Yeah. Well, and again, like I said, we're we're kind of ignoring the the no, whole no, like it, it was weird. physical. Yeah. But uh, I, the him like the the scene with him with the flare like kind of guiding people mm-hmm. out was just fantastic. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like okay, I kind of forgive you for what yeah, you just I, did. I just, yeah. I get him into the water in a different manner and then do that scene. Yeah. And you got me. We're good. Yeah, because yeah. like, you know, he pulls out, he pulls out the bat flare and then he, <laughs> he lights it and, you know, he he goes and helps people and, and and that was actually one of the first times just because like watching, um, we're watching Lost right now and every time someone lights a torch, they put it right in front of their face mm. and he used the flare the right way and he mm-hmm. put it above, above his, his head. head. Yeah. For actual illumination to where you can still see. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who's questioning Andrew's statement, go home, take a flashlight, turn it on, and now point it at your face. <laughs> Are you seeing anything right now? No, no, you're not. If you have to light a torch, don't hold it in front of you. You're just staring at a light source. That doesn't help you. Put it above your head. <laughs> Please. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of some uh, some other stuff, but it looks like Joel has some things that he I, wants to say. I have one final point uh-huh. that I wanted to make sure to get out. And that was, uh, this I want to shout out my brother, Scott, who pointed this out to me because I hadn't, I hadn't noticed it when we were talking about the film over the weekend. And, and that is that what they did with the Joker, I'm sorry, what wow. they did with the Riddler. Wow. Um, wow, you really are a joke. We're gonna fanboy. we're gonna we're gonna come back to this. It's gonna make sense. Freudian slip. <clears throat> what they did with the the Riddler was they played the I know the real you and the real you is the Batman card, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which historically has been Joker's, Joker's connection. Thing, right. Yeah. 
And then at the very end of the film, they teased, hey, we've got a potential Joker for a sequel if you guys want to support the film enough that we can make another one. <laughs> and, <laughs> Which I'm pretty and, sure and you well, are. I think it made like over almost $250 million yes, opening weekend. It's doing quite well. Yeah. But they already played that card. And so either they play it again and it doesn't have the same impact or they have to restructure the connection between Joker and Batman. So I actually don't think that the Riddler knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't. Yeah. But he didn't. But he didn't care. And that's that's the thing historically about Joker is that he doesn't actually care who Batman is under the mask because who he is under the mask doesn't isn't, matter. Isn't real. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the mask. That's yeah. the real person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did like that. There was kind of that weird moment where it was like, do you know that he's Bruce Wayne? No. Okay. No, you yeah, don't. You, you, just, you just know who the, you think you know who the Batman is as a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause there was definitely a moment of how are you, wh- who are you and why do you just, how did you get in this room? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is this is more just a stray thing that we just haven't touched on yet. But I like that they only had one scene with Batman essentially gliding down from a skyscraper, and then he <laughs> immediately oh, he, oh, he, eats he, it. He paid for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you can tell in the build up to him getting ready to do the jump, he's just like, I if there was any other option available, <laughs> oh, yeah, I he's, would take he's, it. He's, He's, he is not happy. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Cause like you can see, you know, he's like, Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. When he gets the, hits kind of the, like the ledge and then he like zips up his suit and he's like, well, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of goes full penguin with a little bit of like the baby step, baby step. <laughs> I gotta do it. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Especially the, the end, the landing sequence, <laughs> if we can call it that he got to the ground, any crash you can walk away from. Uh, and then he has to get up and drag. And so I love early Batman. When he's not the perfectly seasoned, yeah. Well, he's when when you get the point, and especially in a lot of the animated things where he is the the perfect. He's you know the world's greatest detective. Mm -hmm. I am the knight. He has an answer for everything. He he perfectly executes his kick, his jump, his Mm -hmm. glide, his whatever. I I love early Batman where there's there's that rough edge of well, this is the first time I've done it, so I just have to do it. And oh, that was (laughs) awful. I'm not. I'm gonna do that a different way next time. Uh, one thing that, and I don't know, I'm really, I, I didn't necessarily count this against the movie. I'm just kind of throwing this out to y'all because I don't know. Maybe I just missed it. Did they ever go over how, why Gordon trusts him? No. 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 I mean, because you just uh, like, you have to assume. So this is like, I think his second two, two year. Years, two mm-hmm. years. Yeah. His second year as, as the bat. And essentially, I mean, you just have to assume that, you know, because Gordon historically has always been, been his. Yeah. yeah. Well, he summed up their relationship so far with we have a signal now. Right. So that that statement establishes we needed a signal. That establishes we have been working together. Mm-hmm. That establishes trust exists. Mm-hmm. So it was a. It's not important why sort or, or of, it may sort of show up point. later. Yeah. We, may, we may cover that. I, I was just, I was particularly pleased with the question being asked of, well, why did you bring him here? Yeah. Right. And then him being able to give an answer. And that is, well, the killer sent something to him. So that means he's connected. So yeah. that means he was addressed. We, specifically. we need we need to find out why. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and then Batman also shows his investigative prowess mm-hmm. by by kind of being like, well, this is what the riddle oh, and is I loved, in front of everyone. I loved like not only that, like being on the ball with things, but not being a Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. but instead he went 
back to his base, reviewed, reviewed the footage, and iterated on it until he had the solution. It wasn't just a, I looked at the room, so I have all the knowledge. Yeah, and he, yeah he's a savant. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, <sighs> small point. I get small quite because it, it still plays into the Gordon thing of, you know, post, I'm going to stand next to the dude with the bomb on his neck and get knocked out and get taken back to the precinct. And then no one's going to remove my mask. Well, actually, Gordon, like, so, so there, there was, there was a little bit there that I was actually thinking might work. And they didn't say this, but they were, they were still sort of actively looking at him sort of medically. They didn't have a medic right there. Yeah. But in the case where someone has a potential neck injury, you don't move them. You don't, you don't move them in the first place, but you definitely don't like try to wrestle something off no, of no, their no. head. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am totally on board with the idea of you don't peel something off their head. Mm-hmm. If you think, Oh, they've got like a bad neck injury, fractured skull, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. You also don't take them back to the precinct and yeah. lay them on a table. If you took them anywhere, you took them to the hospital. Yeah. Like I legitimately expect them to, to bring him to in the church because one, you should, if you are unconscious for any kind of large stretch period of time, that is extremely bad sign for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this whole like, oh, I just hit someone in the back of the head and they're out like a light, like it's an on-off switch and in 20 minutes they'll be back up and I'll have them where I want them and they'll just be a normal person again is not true. <laughs> uh, Hollywood. Hollywood. But I, I really expect them paved with gold. just to wake him up in the church. And then like they did the whole, you know, the light and his eyes mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. They're coming. Oh, we're like, where are we? Yeah. <laughs> We're just in a room in a really tall skyscraper that the PD works in. That's not necessarily. It's that, Gotham. I mean, it's Gotham. Yeah. But, but just the whole, like, okay, well, like we can justify it by talking like medical, whatever, but they already violated it. Yeah. Like, unless Gordon just wholesale went to bat, which he was, but like wholesale went to bat for him. Also, I really love the whole, like, look, two minutes with them. We're going to talk. What? You went to bat for him. Yeah, I know. I'm not getting that. <laughs> but, but like, we're two minutes. Me and him, we're gonna talk. And he like leans in, and is like, just hit me in the face. Yeah. And then he hits him, and later she's like, you know, you could have pulled that punch. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I think we we beaten the plot to death. Unless Andrew had something. No, the, no, the I, bat. I, I pretty much. And if A if we bats. cover anything else, it'll be in entertainment. <laughs> that is where we are headed now. So our final score, uh, obviously. Pre-spoilers, we listed it as a separate metric. So this is kind of a way of looking away from the technical uh, prowess or the four main pieces we're really looking at and just, hey, were we entertained? Will we want to watch it again? Mm-hmm. Uh, will we recommend you go watch it whether or not – because there could – Joel kind of alluded to this early on. Odds are the potential is there is a movie that is not technically great but is just – hilarious, turn your brain off, have fun, whatever. And we want to promote that or at least promote it in those terms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oddly enough, this one is maybe a little less entertaining than technically sound, which I think is an aberration, but whatever. Uh, Not necessarily. Let's let's dive into some individual scores and find out why. Andrew? Uh, I gave entertainment an eight. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Found it. I found it. (laughs) Am I the greatest detective? Well, (laughs) So honestly, the the biggest reason why I gave Entertainment an eight was because I'll definitely rewatch this film at some point. Mm-hmm. But it is such a a dark and gritty film <laughs> that it's hard for me to you know 
hang out on a Sunday and be like, oh, let's watch The Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like that's that's not a that's a film where, you know, it's a Friday night and and you guys are coming over to watch The Batman. Mm-hmm. Right. Like not. It's the event. It's not something you throw on in the back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not like you're you know, like. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to just you know, be like, oh, we're all just hanging out. Let's do something. Let's just go watch the Batman guys. <laughs> Let's just play a game and put it on the background. No. Yeah. Uh, and and because it's overly long, close to three hours, it does hinder my the, the barrier of entry to rewatch it. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Not because like and this is it's kind of weird because like entertainment value is is I look at my my rewatch value mm-hmm. is generally how I, I kind of use this. And I would absolutely watch it again, but because it's a three hour film that's already kind of like, Ooh, I don't know. Do I really want to sit down for a three hour film right now? And then two, it's a film that you have to, it's a make a date to watch it, mm-hmm. not a, Oh, let's just throw it on. Right. So yeah. that's mine. Okay. Well, I'm going to jump in and I gave it a nine mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm actually starting to question if all my value in this movie isn't just because it's just the same person who did the cinematography for Dune as well. Maybe do I need to look this guy up and figure out what else he's done? Because <laughs> the the movie was a little long. Yeah. I, I think we've we've covered that pretty well. But but as from a uh not just a rewatch perspective, but just from a I'm in the theater and there is a point where there's a slight lull and I'm just like, holy crap, we're still going. <laughs> and like we haven't even caught the Riddler yet. <laughs> oh man. Uh from that perspective, like it it just it's a little long. It makes yeah. it a little hard to to suspend the disbelief throughout and to really keep you locked in mm-hmm. to it for the whole time. Uh, I I think the other saddest piece for me maybe is we just didn't get enough Bruce Wayne. You know, we really you really kind of almost need both sides of the coin to sell it. I, and I I kind of disagree just because this is I mean like. This specific Bruce Wayne is not really about Bruce Wayne at all. Yeah. Well, see, you can disagree all you want, but it's my entertainment score. Yeah, that's fine. For for my entertainment, wrong. I I need, or I'm really looking for the the dichotomy of the two characters Uh as one, and we don't get that because we're in obsessive phase. So, it it's not huge knocks. I really enjoyed the film. I give it a nine. I really enjoyed the film. And you'd watch it again. And I would absolutely watch it again. Maybe not this week, but you know, yeah, give it, give it a little bit and then I'll go see <laughs> give it. it again. Go, when it comes, uh, comes out on, uh, HBO or where it can or, be even darker and grittier <laughs> yeah, and where my, where my TV can be improperly calibrated and be like, <laughs> I thought I could see stuff in this scene. <laughs> Joel. Uh, well, I also gave it a nine. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, so that's, yep, that yeah. is where. Yep. No, no, as soon as you said, oh, I gave it an eight. Well, we both. Yeah. Knew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, you know, back to the point of there not really being a whole lot of Bruce Wayne in the film. And I, I from my perspective, Bruce Wayne was kind of the character that existed in the film that the film <clears throat> was actually about that didn't appear on screen. Right. Right. Because we, we get, we get basically two scenes with Bruce in it. and he's wearing the mask in one of them, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it's, it's the scene where he's with Alfred in the hospital. Uh-huh. And it's the scene at the very end where he's, where he realizes what he can do if he becomes a symbol of hope. Right. Mm-hmm. And in those two scenes are the only scenes that Bruce shows up. 
because the rest of the time he's still Batman. Even even, even when he's like at the funeral, he's oh he's totally he's, Batman. He's right Batman there. the entire time. And he is even, not Bruce. They even give it away because they talk about oh well. I haven't been able to find, you know, the DA yeah. Colson and like he's eavesdropping on that conversation. Like the detective mode is full engaged yeah. in that moment for sure. Um, so, so I, I would say I, I really enjoyed the, the, the token non-inclusion of, of Bruce mm-hmm. in the film because it was kind of a teasing out and developing of Bruce as the character with the hope of greater inclusion moving forward with more projects, assuming that they, they occur. I, I kind of don't want them to make any more though. Mm-hmm. Just because like, this isn't like Dune where we, we, we don't have a complete story mm-hmm. where this is, I worry, you know, this kind of happens with all sequels though, oh, sure. is that you, you worry that they're going to just ruin everything that made the first one good. Yeah. That's, that's always a risk. Um, but that is the risk you have to take in order to get more of the thing that you love money yeah well, um, <laughs> I, I, were you talking about this that is the risk the studio is going to take true, to get more of the thing true. They love. but i mean that's the thing though is like i want to see more robert pattinson as batman yeah mm-hmm. but then at the same but time i kind of don't you have to let them take the risk of making a bad movie yeah. to get well, it yeah. and and yeah. this is all this is always kind of the pratfall of of sequels is most of the time you're probably not going to have the same team that worked on the first one yeah or you're going to be missing key elements. You're, you're, they're going to have gonna, gone on to other projects. They're, they're not going to get Greg Frazier as the cinematographer. Yeah. And it's not going to have the same mood and mm-hmm. the same vibe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the reason I didn't give it a 10 mm-hmm. was because even though I loved the direction that they took the main character and the the whole mood of the film that just, just seeped through everything, mm-hmm. I felt like it... It was such a attempted grounding of the the source material in realism mm-hmm. that it it starkly brought into focus the unrealistic nature of the premise of the character. <laughs> and so I mean, while, Batman's a kind of ridiculous character. And so while yes. if you take all of the bat motif out of it mm-hmm. and just say, this is um, Blake Weinstein <laughs> and he, he lost his parents at an early age and he is a billionaire and he built a battle suit and he is obsessed with his own version of vigilante justice. And he goes out and beats up people at night. Like you'd still be pretty you, this close. would be, this would be a pretty great movie. Like you don't lose anything other than the IP <laughs> recognition. Right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and you're more realistic because you've dropped at least the bat motif off of everything. The weird obsession. Yeah. With yeah. Bats. yeah. Uh, so I, I will add, cause I, I, whenever I was talking about entertainment, I just kind of talked about stuff that I didn't like. Um, the one thing that, that I really loved and I should have touched on this with spectacle, but the the use of depth of field to obfuscate oh, what yes, was actually happening yes. on screen. So especially whenever he is in the DA's car mm-hmm. and uh, or the Riddler's in the DA's car, yeah, yeah. and he you know basically guy gets in and then they they out of fo- they go front focus to where you can't see anything that's happening and all that like in any other film, especially like an MCU film, they would have like all, it would have been the, the initial where he like startles him that, Hey, there's someone else in this car and he has a gun to my head kind of thing. And then they would have cut. And then it would have been another scene where this, they deliberately 
sat there mm-hmm. while well the, you're you're you know that he's putting something on him but you're not really sure yeah. what it is it's mm-hmm. flashing yeah that's bad <laughs> <laughs> but, but you still and then you don't even get to know until like like maybe another five six minutes later oh it's it's a whole funeral scene later yeah, yeah. It's, it's a chunk and it is like and they do that over and over yeah. and over mm-hmm. again throughout the film and it is just so fantastic mm-hmm. and i it, just love it. it it is kind of probably one of the sources of like you said in in the mcu you would have this moment of oh like there's there's a struggle in the car and then it would cut to you know just just the other characters walking in the park having a good day because mm-hmm. they want to have that contrast you, you need to have you need to have that relief of tension yeah whereas this you sat in that car with a <laughs> da who was on drugs alcohol whatever else who is it's having this psychopath. thing happen to him. And you are just kind of like the DA. Your vision is blurred out. Mm. You don't get to know what's going on. And you just kind of sit in the car with them for a couple of minutes. <laughs> it's like, this is really uncomfortable. Yep. And that is ultimately, that is a contributor to the runtime, right? Yeah. But that is a worthy contributor to the runtime. <laughs> yeah. I will take that experience in small doses mm-hmm. across other movies more so than than the flip side yeah all the time well and and we talked about this on our arcane episode where mm-hmm. um whenever there's like these really high emotion scenes where like oh this actually makes me feel uncomfortable that is you want that to happen this, this yeah. child will not stop crying <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and as like any of the scenes with the riddler are just so unnerving mm-hmm. yeah. and terrifying yeah because one you you know that like people like this exist and have existed throughout history but like even then just the realism of it for especially for a pg-13 movie like it's pretty terrifying yeah yeah i hope i hope that the studios pay for for dono's uh, therapy bills because <laughs> he was he was he had some menace and mm-hmm. he had some oh boy i mean he's man he's such a good actor uh, if you if you've never seen there will be blood go watch it it's one of a fantastic uh, daniel day lewis film but uh, yeah, I, you should see it just just, just on the strength of that film, yeah. in general. But that does sound like all the time we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.